0: Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Well, if you're newer visiting, what we're doing is we're going through the book of Acts. And so... We find ourselves this morning in Acts chapter 24, and a lot of times I'll read the text, but we're going to cover 26 verses, so we'll read it as we go for the sake of time. So Acts chapter 24, and we're going to go through verses 1 through 26. Father, we thank you for that encouraging word. As we're going to see, Paul is going to share his testimony now before authorities, magistrates, the People that need Jesus, and he is not ashamed, he is not bashful, he's not arrogant, he's not prideful, he's humble, he does it with love, grace, and mercy, knowing where he came from. And so, Father, we thank you for this testimony that we're going to see. And and we uh, take that encouragement personally ourselves that we would pray this week as we've been doing over the years. Lord, who would you have us to go minister to? Make us available, whether it's at a gas pump or in our workplace, our neighborhood, family, whatever the case may be. We desire to see people in heaven with us. So use your word this morning. I pray for the gift of teaching in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Acts chapter 24. Now, after five days, Ananias, the high priest, came down with the elders and a certain orator named Tertullius. These gave evidence to the governor against Paul. And when he had called upon, Tertullius began his accusations, saying, So, here we see that Paul is going to stand trial in front of the man that we met last week. The man's name is Felix, who was governor or procurator over a large area of the Roman Empire known as Judea from 52 to 59 AD. He once was a slave, but due to his brother being a friend of Caesar Nero's, Felix was given this place of prominence. It was a big mistake because he had no clue on how to handle the power of the office nor how to handle his personal life. He had three wives, one of which we'll be introduced to today, Drusilla. He was known to be cruel in his rule, probably because of how he was dealt with during his years as a slave. He freely committed various crimes without fear of repercussions because of his political influence. Sounds familiar, doesn't it, today? Matter of fact, a Roman historian named Tacitus summed up the character of Felix with these words. He exercised royal power with the mind of a slave. Again, this is the man whom Paul is now being tried by because of false accusations that were brought about by the religious, the Jewish religious leaders. So again, verse one, now after five days, Ananias, the high priest, came down with the elders and a certain orator named Tertullius. These gave evidence to the governor against Paul you see this was a very important meeting in the eyes of Ananias Ananias knew who Paul was Paul was Saul we went over that last week you can get the CD he had traveled a great distance to see this man Paul who was possibly part of the Sanhedrin that he was put to death that was his mission He's not come to have Paul tried before Felix, but rather to bring charges against Paul to have him brought back to Jerusalem and tried there. Of course, in his mind, Paul would not have made it to Jerusalem because there would have been many assassins waiting for him along the way. Again, we talked about this last week. This is the continuing plot of what we went over last week. So you can read back or get the CD. Remember that there were 40 men who had made a vow not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. And as we just read, now after five days, they're probably hungry right about now. They're probably pretty thirsty. We're also introduced to a man by the name of Tertullius. He was an attorney representing the Sanhedrin. This man will show us once again how corrupt... The religious rulers had become. Again, if you're new here or visiting, or you just happen to walk in here, this is we're not here to play church. We're not here to be religious. Most, if not all of us, have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as our Savior. Religion is dangerous, very, very dangerous. Don't try to become religious. Make sure that you have a relationship. Again, Tertullius had not been hired to bring justice to the situation, but rather to bring Paul back to Jerusalem no matter what the cost. And we will see that Tertullius nor the Sanhedrin were interested in the truth, which again is very important with what we're dealing with today in our culture. Verses 2 and 3. And when he was called upon, Tertullius began his accusation saying seeing that through you we enjoy great peace and prosperity is being brought to this nation by your foresight we accept it as always and in all places most noble Felix with all thankfulness here's the typical approach to the authorities before him flattery flattery Felix as well as everyone else present knew that these things were not true we need to be ever so careful of flattery because the scriptures tell us that it's a very dangerous thing to do. Matter of fact, Proverbs six twenty three and 24 says this, For the commandment is a lamp and the law is a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life Keep to keep you from the evil woman. So as we know the word of God, We'll be aware of what is truth and what is a lie. The ladies have been going through Proverbs on Tuesdays. They've been getting a lot of great information out of it, but this also applies to us as men because we know that there's also flattery, men that flatter. To keep you from the evil woman from the flattering tongue of the seductress. You see, most inappropriate relationships in dealing with this scripture specifically most inappropriate relationships start with flattery. Oh, a woman might say, You listen and really care about me on your job site. My husband doesn't understand me. And if the guy was had any truth in him he'd say I don't understand you either. <laughs> but you know, he has a mission. You also might hear from a guy, hey, you look really nice today. What are you doing later tonight? Ladies, be very, very careful of flattery as well as you guys. Then there are those who come to you and try to use flattery in order to better their own situation. Often, though, it just puffs up the one it was spoken to and causes that person to make unwise decisions, which in turn will cause them personal ruin. Do we have any Proverbs for that? Twenty six, twenty eight. A lying tongue hates those who are crushed by it, and a flattering mouth works ruin. How about Proverbs 29, 5? A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. Now, we don't want to go to extreme because there's nothing wrong with blessing someone with a heart of appreciation, thanking them for what they've done, nothing wrong with that at all. But just make sure that there's no other motives except to truly bless them for how God used them. So let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Again, if you're newer visiting, the team puts together slides. The little white cross on the slide will show you in your Bible roughly where it is. And again, I encourage you to have a paper Bible. Um, If you haven't been following the news, uh, you have now learned that certain people, high-tech people can shut you off from certain information whether you like it or not. And so if your application, uh, your app on your phone is directly linked to the internet, if it's not downloaded onto it, um, you can be shut off from that and you might thought that'll never happen well you you need to wake up cuz it's already happening so you can be shut off from that so i encourage you to have a paper bible now if you have it on your device i'm not no, no don't i'm not going against that but really try to have a paper bible it's so important that you can go through it let's look at this. first lessons chapter 2 says this for our exhortation for our exhortation now again what are we talking about flattery For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. We weren't encouraging you or exhorting you for personal gain. We weren't schmusing you because we wanted your vote. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, the good news, even so we speak not as pleasing men, And for you and I as Christians, how this plays out over the next two months is really going to determine how bad it's going to get for Christians over the next four years. It's going to get bad, but it could get really bad depending on how it turns out. So are you ready, are you willing to take a stand for the gospel, not pleasing mankind? I've said it many, many times, and I don't say it braggingly or any of that nonsense. I just say it because I've been waiting for Jesus for 42 years to come in the clouds, And I'm not backing down the week or the month before he shows up. So you have to determine in your own mind how long have you been waiting. And are you now going to back up? Are you going to bail? Are you going to give in to the pressures of this great reset? Or are you going to take a stand and say, no, marriage is between one genetic male and one genetic female. And no, we don't hate gays or trans We invite them into our church so that they can hear the gospel and know how much God loves them. As well as we go out into our mission field, we express that. Because I read an article yesterday about how Christians are hateful people and they need to be retrained because of your position against trans people. No, we don't hate people. We love them. We love them. God loves them. He sent his son to die for them. But are you willing to take that stand? Am I willing to take that stand? Paul says, hey, it's not through deceit. We've been approved by God. We speak. This might not be comfortable, but we speak it. Because in Thessalonians, he says, if a person doesn't work, he doesn't eat. We say, if a person doesn't work, give him a check. <laughs> and I'm talking from personal experience as far as I know someone who personally was homeless. And they told me, you know what, when we go to one church, they give us a list of all the other food banks and of all the agencies that will help us. And so I don't mind being homeless because I get free food and I have agencies that give me everything I need. What are we doing as a society? Instead of saying, no, you need a job. We'll help you to a certain point and then that's it. You need to get busy. Not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts for neither at any time do we use flattering words... As you know, and this has creeped into the church, guys, into Christianity. Churches that will just accept everybody. Oh, we just accept you. Oh, we love you. Oh, no, no sin. Living together, not a problem. Medicinal marijuana, oh, that's wonderful. No, it's not. It's from the pit of hell. Did not use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak for covetousness. Notice God is our witness we're back in acts chapter 24 4 through 9 now Tutulius starts to bring up the accusations here about paul nevertheless not to be tedious to you any further i beg you to hear by your courtesy a few words for uh, from us he just piles it on for we have found this man a plague a creator of dissension among all the Jews throughout the world and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. So here's his first accusation. Paul is a peg, a plague, a pestilence. Now by this time Paul had already written 7 of the New Testament letters. Okay? He will write eight more over the next 10 years. But one of those letters that he has already written encompasses and is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that great love chapter. So if Paul is being accused of bringing a plague upon the people, it would have been a plague of love, which is what every person should be plagued with. This is what you and I should be plagued with, love. Love for those who cross our paths. Especially these religious elite who wanted to kill Paul. Do, do we carry that type of plague around ourselves? I just encourage you to, to think about these things throughout this week. Or, or are, we more, are we more interested in arguing about Republicans or arguing about Democrats and what's going on in our society? Or do we have lo- enough love to pray for those people who are going to hell? Great, they're going to have power for how long? Four years. Okay. What's going to happen after that? They're going to die without Jesus, if they don't get him before. So their power is very short-lived, guys. Remember what Paul is being accused of here. Falsely accused, of course, but accused. And as we study this, let's ask ourselves if we would be found guilty of these things that Paul is being found guilty of. Do we carry the plague of love, grace, mercy? Those attributes can be very infectious and contagious. We just heard the story from the Gideons this morning. The truth. Well, verse 5 for, or verse 6 He even tried to profane the temple, and we seized him and wanted to judge him according to our law. But the commander Lysias came by and with great violence took him out of our hands, commanding his accusers to come to you. By examining him yourself, you may ascertain all these things which we accuse him. And the Jews, the religious Jews here. So when you see this phrase, you want to make very... The church was Jewish, guys. So you want to be careful. So when you read the scriptures, do a little study. This is the religious elite of the Jewish nation. Not all Jews, because there were many Jews that were saved. So the religious Jews assented, maintaining that these things were so. The next thing we see that Paul is accused of is promoting sedition and uprising. Now we have seen that wherever Paul went. We've seen this in the book of Acts. He would show that Jesus was the Christ through the scriptures. He didn't go and try to argue anyone in to Judaism or out of Judaism. But he would always go to the Jews first. He would open the Old Testament and he would show the Jews how Jesus fulfilled the scriptures, that he was the Messiah. Hebrew, Old Testament, Christ, New Testament, Greek, that he was the Messiah. Many of those Jews would reject him. Some accepted him, and they would want him out. So he would say, fine, I'll now go to the Gentiles. And again, not trying to get the Gentiles to become Jewish, but to know that they could have a Savior, Jesus, And that they could go to heaven just as well as the Jews. Well, the religious Jews didn't like that because they hated the Gentiles. To this day, a religious Jew, an orthodox religious Jew, hates Gentiles. And if you don't have Jewish blood in you, then you are a Gentile. That's a sad fact. Again, religion is very, very dangerous. So we have to be very careful of religion. So then Paul would leave an area because of those who stirred up hate against him paul wasn't stirring up hate again sounds familiar with what's going on in our day and age but we have seen over and over again that he purposely didn't try to stir up hatred against anyone himself so the next question for us to ponder is as christians do we stir up hatred or confusion by our words or do we show grace and mercy Again, very important for us as believers. Guys, we're the last, we're the only light, not the last, we're the only light. As Christians, what did Jesus say? You are going to be the light of the world. We're the only light this world has. So we can't debate them about these things that are only temporary. We have to make sure that we show them the love of Christ about their eternal states. And we can talk about the temporal things, but just make sure you don't argue And cause anger and hatred at the end of the conversation. Because that's not what we are as Christians. He was also accused of profaning the temple by bringing Gentiles within the Jewish courts. This was obviously a lie. And the Sanhedrin knows it. So what then are they really insinuating here? That Paul was reaching out to the Gentiles, which I've already mentioned, was considered anti-Jewish or anti-religious. I find it interesting that Jesus was accused of the same thing by reaching out to the publicans and sinners. So again, do we reach out to those around us who need to hear the gospel or do we keep it to ourselves and our fellow Christians? As I asked that question, you you prayed for our high school group Hopefully you did. If not, you'll have another opportunity, but continue to pray for them even now. And they went out last Wednesday to the area, a local area. They broke up into four groups and they went to different parks and different locations. And due to them just being out there, the light being out there on a dark night, get ready to clap. And we need to encourage our youth with this very thing because they are the next generation. They are the pillars of the church. We need to encourage them. A young man received Jesus as his Savior in Queen Creek. (laughs) And it was a high schooler that was available because that young man was a high schooler. And that high schooler identified, and his name is Q. That's all he gave us. My name is Q. So I would encourage you to pray for Q. Q received Jesus as his Savior. That his roots would go deep. And that he'd get connected into a Bible-believing church. And that he'd become an on-fire Paul. Guys, this is reality. The youth want to be used. And that's why we focus on the youth in our church. And we all need to be focused on the youth. Because they're, they're the ones that the world is focusing on right now. And you old people, you're going bye-bye if they get their way. They're being trained. You old people, you're of no value. And part of Biden's administration is bringing on a person who literally said that. Old people are of no value. They need to be rid. Yeah, check it out. Find out for yourself. We're in desperate days. Lastly, Paul was not only accused of belonging to a group of people mentioned here as Nazarenes, but that he was one of the ringleaders. This was an obvious dig or put down by Tertullius. John chapter 1 says this, 45-46. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth. This Paul, he's a ringleader of the Nazarenes. You know those Nazarenes, Felix. Now for you and I, it might not mean a whole lot. But what does Nathanael say? And Nathanael said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good? That tells us what he thought of those who lived in Nazareth. Philip said to him, come and see. Come and see. So Tertullius tried to insinuate that Paul was a part of the low life society that came out of Nazareth. Nothing good came out of Nazareth. But for us, it's actually a great group of people to belong to this sect called by Tertullius, they're actually called today Bible-believing Christians. Now, we see that Saul, Paul here, is standing before the governor. He's being accused of his life. So here's some questions. Would you be accused of belonging to that group? If you were to stand before someone today... Would they bring an accusation against you? You know, this guy, this gal, they're one of those born-again Christians. Would somebody accuse you of that? Another question. Would you be accused, accused of leading a Bible study or a prayer group? Guys, depending on who gets in office, they are coming for the church. They've already said it straight out. We have no idea how long we're going to be able to keep doing what we're doing here this morning. So, will you stand up one day to maybe lead a Bible study or a prayer group knowing that you might be arrested? That they might come into your home and take all of your belongings? Ah, oh, they'll never happen in America. You know what? Somebody was saying they'll never happen in America a year ago, and two years ago, and three years ago, and ten years ago. The stuff that everybody says, oh, it's not going to come to America, it's been coming. Wake up. It's here. It's here. Another question, is there enough evidence in your life to convict you of being a Bible-believing Christian? Again, evidence. These, These four accusations raise some good questions for each and every one of us to ponder and answer. For we do stand before the world's judgment seat, so to speak, every day when we go to work or you go to school. People are judging you. Don't judge me. No, people are judging you. They are, whether you like it or not. And you and I judge whether we like it or not. We got to try not to, but we do. It's just unnatural. Are we accused of many things? Hopefully they're accusing us of these things mentioned here. Acts twenty four ten. Then Paul, after the governor nodded to him to speak, answered, Inasmuch as I know that you have been for many years a judge of this nation, I do more cheerfully answer for myself. No flattery, just plain facts. Because you may ascertain that it is no more than 12 days since I went up to Jerusalem to worship. And they neither found me in the temple, disputing with anyone, nor inciting the crowd, neither in the synagogues or in the city. Nor can they prove the things of which they now accuse me. But this I confess to you, that according to the way, Christianity, which they call a sect so i worship the god of my fathers believing all things that which were written in the law and the prophets paul going back to the word of god and i have hope in god which they themselves also accept that there will be a resurrection of the dead both of the just and the unjust this being so I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense towards God and men. And we again talked about that last week, so get the CD. Now, after many years, I came to bring alms and offerings to my nation, in the midst of which some Jews from Asia found me purified in the temple, neither with mob nor with tumult. They ought to have been here before you to object if they had anything against me. Or else... Let those who are here themselves say if they found any wrongdoing in me while I stood before the council. Unless it is for this one statement which I cried out standing among them concerning the resurrection of the dead, I am being judged by you this day. But when Felix heard these things, having more accurate knowledge of the way, so now isn't that interesting? Felix knew, maybe it was through Paul, maybe it was through his wife, maybe it was through someone else. We know that the Word of God is being propagated throughout the Roman Empire. But he says, having more accurate knowledge of the way, he adjourned the proceedings and said, When Lysias the commander comes down, I will make a decision for your case. It's very interesting. By this time, Paul had already written the book of Romans. The book of Romans. Again, Felix being the governor, maybe he had even heard about this letter, this book. Verse 23, so he commanded the centurion to keep Paul and let him have liberty and told him not to forbid any of his friends to provide for or visit him. This verse raises a good question about the brethren, though, as I read this verse. Think about this, guys. As the culture we're in, the day we're in, think about this. Where was James? Where was James? Paul's in Caesarea. It's not that far from Jerusalem. Where was James? He was a pillar of the church. Hmm. James was the one who told Paul to go down to the temple to appease the Jews. But where is he? Where were the other pillars of the early church? And I only say this to guys, we got to get encouraged ourselves together as we head into the next four years. Whichever way, as I mentioned before the election, whichever way this pans out, we got to be here for one another, guys. We got to be here for one another. We can't forsake the assembling unless it's for health reasons. Use wisdom, not insinuating anything there. But guys, we need to get together even more. Wednesday nights, men's Bible studies, ladies' Bible studies, home fellowships, marriage times, whatever it might be. I greatly encourage you, get together with other people. Where were the brethren that loved Paul? Even though Paul was alone, God was right there with them as we read in Hebrews chapter 13, 5 through 6. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now for you and I, this great reset, as you do a little bit of study, which I've done, I'm not an expert on it, don't try to portray that at all. I've just done a little bit of research. It's dangerous. It's very, very dangerous. And we are going to see things drastically change here in America. All of us. No one is going to be exempt from this. All of us is going to see drastic changes to the way of our lives if this gets fully implemented, which it will, because the Bible said it will. So you better start being being prepared now, being prepared now. And what does covetous mean to you? Do your possessions have you, or do you have your possessions? Are you willing to let, let go of your possessions for Jesus? Or, or do you have such a tight hold on your possessions that you're willing to die for those possessions? Nobody's going to take my possessions from me. The Constitution says these are mine what does the Bible say you don't have anything it all belongs to God and he's given it to you on loan use it for his glory it's not yours so we may boldly say the Lord is my helper I will not fear I will not fear what can man do to me well we'll find you we'll arrest you we'll lock you up praise God I'll have a prison ministry okay is that the worst you're going to do No, we're going to kill you. Oh, praise God. I'm so excited about that. I've been looking forward to this for 42 years. Bring it on. I want to go home to Jesus. Let's look at Daniel. Let's look at Daniel chapter 1. We're now done with that, but let's just see something about Daniel. And a brother this week sent me a little email, an exhortive email, and I took it to heart. And I you know, that's really cool. I like that. So we have time. So let's look at Daniel. Daniel 1.6 says this, Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, and Mishael, or I'm sorry, were Daniel, yes, Hananiah, and Mishael, and Azariah. You better know them as who? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But those were their Hebrew name, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Let's look at Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits, and its width 6 cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And the king Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages. So everyone gathered. No one's exempt. That at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Either or. So at that time when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, symphony, and all kinds of music, all the people, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Therefore at the time certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. I think this is going to be accused to Christians in the next four years for not bowing down to what we're going to be instructed to do. Again, if you don't think this is reality, you obviously are not listening to governors in California, Oregon, and Washington. The governor in Oregon canceled Thanksgiving. You're not allowed. If you have more than eight people, so if you have eight kids, you're going to have to leave two of them outside. They can't be, in, they can't be at the dinner. This, it's just, this is real. And, and how many people are, they're living in fear. They're going to obey this edict out of fear. Out of fear. Fear brings control. Verse 11: And whoever does not fall down in worship shall be cast in the midst of the fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon: Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Notice that. Leaders, rulers. You're the one who set them up. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar in rage and fury gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image which I set up? Now if you are ready at the time to hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music, and you shall fall down and worship the image which I made, good! But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God? Notice little g. And who is the God who deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve, notice big G, there is only one God, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. Notice lower K. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. Christians right here. Is that the worst you're going to do? You're going to kill us? No. Nah. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury and expression of his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded the heat, the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind them, cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments. Must have been a cold day. And were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he arose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast in three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said to the king, True, O king. Only three. Look, the king answered, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And notice what Uncle Neb says here. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. I personally believe this was Jesus, a Christophany, an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. Jesus is in the fiery furnace with them. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fire furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. You see, guys, our testimony as Christians is vital for people to see that there is only one God. It's the great I am, not the great reset. It's the great I am. And I'm willing to go down that I might go up. That's part of our testimony. Come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth from the midst of the fiery furnace, and the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men on whose body the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This sounds like the testimony we just heard about the Philippian principle who's 30 minutes later saying to other people, you need this Bible. He's witnessing 30 minutes after he got saved. You need this Bible. You need salvation. Who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and they frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own God. And then Nebuchadnezzar goes crazy. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation language, which speaks anything amiss against the son of Shadrach, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made an ash heap, a dunghill, <laughs> one extreme to the other, because there is no other God who can deliver like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Great testimony, guys. And you have a testimony. God wants to build your testimony even further. Don't go back. Don't look back. Don't forego. Press forward. Because we serve who? The great I am. Not the great reset. The great I am. And whatever happens, we need to come together Don't forsake. Come together Wednesday. This Wednesday we're not meeting, but the following Wednesday. Get that into your habit. Come on on Wednesday nights. Pastor Darrell's doing a great job. Gospel of Mark. Come on to the men's study. We're going through Ephesians, verse by verse. The ladies' study. They're going through the book of Proverbs, home fellowships, marriage, whatever it might be, guys. Get involved. We're in wicked days. But we serve the great I am father i thank you and praise you for this time the world is going after the deception the lie the evil one who i personally believe is alive on this earth right now the antichrist the false messiah Father, we're not looking and trying to find out who that is. We will not know until after the rapture. So we're just going to stay focused on the Christ, the one we know who is the Messiah, and not be worried about the things of this world, but be concerned about souls. That's what we're concerned about, Father, souls. So as we go out this week, Lord, into our mission field, make us available for the souls of those around us, Re- redo our schedule if necessary. Lord, we pray for Q that you would love on him, that he would that his roots would go deep, that he would become that that Bible believing, sold out Christian that would then reach others in the park that are hanging around him, that they would see his friends would see a tremendous transformation in his life and that they would come to know Jesus, that there would be a revival, a ripple effect of more and more people coming to know Jesus as their Savior here in Queen Creek, around our state, around this nation, around the world, Lord. We thank you for the privilege we have as ambassadors for Christ to share the word of God. No greater privilege, none of us has no greater privilege than to do that. Use us this week, Father, in Jesus' precious name, amen. Let's stand, guys. God bless you. Stay focused. If you need prayer, if you didn't receive Jesus as your Savior yet, maybe you're young, maybe you're elderly, we're not here playing church, we encourage you to come up, get prayer. We'll pray with you to receive Jesus as your Savior. If you need prayer for anything, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church, how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.